I'm very fortunate to even be alive. I'm not really going to spend my time being mad, angry, jealous, or anything like that. I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more than I am. In that moment, it sparked me wanting to, like, live all the dreams. I don't think I could even stream, be an entertainer, or anything if it weren't for music. And then eventually they get signed on to Atlantic Records. I'm on the road with them. We're playing shows and like venues that I never thought I could ever play. Hello, and welcome to Humans Magic, the podcast that gets deep and personal with your favorite Magic Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. Humans and Magic is brought to you by Cardboard Live. If you're streaming magic of any kind, whether it's a paper tournament, arena, or magic online, you need to be using Cardboard Live. Quite simply, it gives your viewers the next level of interactivity. To get started, just search for Cardboard Live in your Twitch extensions as a streamer. You can also follow Cardboard Live, one word, on Twitter to get the latest updates on what's going on. Humans and Magic is also brought to you by ChannelFireball.com. Channel Fireball is the best place to get your Magic Sealed product and Magic Singles. Not to mention, Channel Fireball has a ton of content by some excellent people in the game. All of it free. Whether it's Luis Scott Vargas or Andrea Mangucci, Gabby Sparts, Nassif, the list goes on and on. To get the latest strategy content and to level up your game today, visit ChannelFireball.com. I also want to give a shout out to my man Kupla for supplying all of the great music that you hear in this podcast. Kupla is a Finnish musician based in London, and he and I actually met while playing Magic in London. So he's an extremely cool guy. His music is just amazing, whether you're relaxing or doing anything, really. It's the best kind of music for what I like to do, and I think it really fits the show well. So check out Kupla on all the places that you can find music and give him a follow on Twitter, Kupla Sound. That's K-U-P-L-A-S-O-U-N-D. Okay, boys and girls, I know that I've been talking about this for the longest time, but I'm really, really happy to announce that the Humans and Magic book is finally, finally out. You can now get it on Amazon. There are both paperback and Kindle editions. So depending on whether you like reading a hard copy or you like having a light copy for digital, we got you covered. So Humans and Magic, the book, is basically 12 of the best interviews that I've done on this show in text form. And where appropriate, I've expanded into the themes that we covered in the interview. I've written new introductions. I've commissioned new art. Quite simply, I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the book. And I would really appreciate it if you would consider picking up a copy. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Humans and Magic, and you should be able to find it. You can also follow me on Twitter, of course, or follow the Humans and Magic account, Humans and Magic, on Twitter, one word, to get more details. Just want to say it was a huge project. I'm really glad that it's all done now, and would really appreciate it if you could consider checking it out. Thank you. Okay, I think it's time to get to the main event also known as this podcast episode with Krim Nguyen, a.k.a. the Asian Avenger. 
I have to apologize for my scratchy voice for this intro. Quite frankly, I've not been feeling too well, but really felt like I wanted to get the episode out. Krim is just an amazing human being. I had so much fun talking to him, and you'll hear all about his life story, his life as a musician, what he did it before magic, and some of the things that he's lived through. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the Asian Avenger. Hello, everybody. Today on Humans of Magic, I am here with Krim Nguyen, better known as the Asian Avenger. Krim is a streamer, a musician, all-around magic player, and just... You're also an Esper enthusiast, right? Or Esper <laughs> fanatic. Which one do you prefer? Uh, Esper professor. No, no. Uh, Esper fanatic, I guess that works. But, uh, like, fun... like. It's crazy. Esper has been the thing that I've mostly been in love with recently, but I've my favorite wedge is actually Grixis. Oh, there we or go. Or Shard. Is it Shard, Wedge? I don't know. One of those things. Grixis is my favorite three-color combination. Awesome. <laughs> well, Krim, it's just a pleasure having you here today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I, I'm, it's, it's a nice, beautiful day. And, uh, you know, we're finally out of summer, so I'm not sweating in my room as I, uh, <laughs> as I do this interview. So that feels pretty good. I have this weird visual image of you. I, I know we've met, but I have this mental image of you constantly wearing the leather jacket no matter where you are. And it's just kind of your image, right? <laughs> yeah, wear it at home too, you know? Uh, wear it into the shower, wear it wherever I go. <laughs> yeah, always... that sounds like actually a pretty funny skit, but uh, I'm getting a little bit <laughs> off topic. But... Whereabouts are you based today, Krim? I am based over in like Northern California, like near towards the San Francisco Bay and just hanging out. Um, so like I'm like it, it's easier to say San Francisco. It's like that thing where like everyone knows San Francisco. Right. But really, I'm actually like 30 minutes south. Mm, OK, so it's not in San Francisco, the city proper, but it's a bit of a no. drive. Yeah, I'm like actually 30, 45 minutes south. Uh, barring no traffic or anything like that. Uh, and my, my LGS is actually uh, Channel Fireball. So There you go. And I know at some point you had worked for Channel Fireball. We'll probably get into that uh, <laughs> as we go yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, are you like born and raised in that area? Are you a native to California or the Bay Area? Actually, uh, we had recently just hung out at TwitchCon in San Diego, and that's, that's where I was born. Uh, I was born in San Diego. Um, and I think I live there up until I was about two or three uh, with my my uh, mom and dad. And then we moved towards uh, where I am now in the South Bay. So uh, like pretty much that I moved here because, you know, in, in San Jose, of course, uh, I moved here. Um, I think, yeah, I think I was like three, three. Okay. So so basically all your life and you, you grew yeah. up here and you, you went to school and did all that stuff. Yeah, but I've, I've always moved around in San Jose and like the whole South Bay area. I haven't always been in San Jose. I mean, uh, at, at a point I, I, you know, I was like in Fremont, then Milpitas, then all these other places, uh, just bouncing around. Right on. I, I, I think I've been to most of those places. I'm not a native of the Bay area, but I, I definitely have passed by a couple of times. It, it's always nice. It's always sunny, right? You can always, uh, find stuff to do. So I, I really enjoy the area. It's always like 10 degrees hotter than everywhere else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it's it's really funny because you know we were hanging out last week in San Diego and I on this trip because I'm not based in the US I I didn't even bring anything as even as heavy as a leather jacket and now I'm just sort of freezing Cold. you know and yeah it's just like <laughs> wow it's not summer anymore it's what a shock <laughs> yeah I I I'm normally like I prefer the cold all year round. I should. I feel like I should be in the East Coast or something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that I want to ask you today, Krim. But why don't we start off with something that I am intensely curious about? I just want to know the Asian Avenger. Like, what is the origin behind that name? Because I know you're into a lot, a lot of different stuff, like comic books, music. We'll get into all that. But can you just explain to me and maybe for the listeners, how did you get? How did you land on the name the Asian Avenger? What are you actually avenging? <laughs> See, this this is the the most common misconception with my name. It's like, what are you avenging? Right? It's like I'm actually not avenging anything. Uh, it is it is more so I am. There are many Asian Avengers. I'm just the Asian Avenger. <laughs> like <laughs> of the Asian Avengers, I'm the main one. <laughs> so you're the head of the Asian avenging. Uh, like they just, avenging like, or revenge committee that, okay <laughs> yep i am an avenger that is asian and i am and of them all there are many i am the <laughs> how did you come up with this name though like what was the first time you used it it must have been be- before magic right if i'm not mistaken oh yeah yeah this is this is before magic this was like back um it was as i was starting instagram right i i, I had started my instagram and i was like okay i needed a handle uh, I needed a name. This is just strictly Instagram. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, at a, before I had Crimbo strange, uh, cause like, you know, I like Dr. Strange, all this other stuff. And then it just, I was like, well, Crimbo strange, that's a little weird at that time. Dr. Strange hadn't had a movie yet. So, you know, like, and like it wasn't in, in the mass public eye. Uh, and I was like, okay, so, but I feel like people would know the Avengers. And I mean, I like the Avengers and you know, uh, like I would just be. The Asian Avenger, because I, I, I loved comic books. I loved Marvel specifically. I enjoy DC, but I preferred Marvel because of a lot of the story, the characters they built. They were more relatable and all this other stuff and enjoyable. What what was your favorite Marvel character, comic book character of all time? Favorite character? See, I, I broke it down. See, there, there's there's my favorite character, which would be Deadpool. Then there's my favorite hero, which would be Doctor Strange. And then there's my favorite villain, which would probably be somewhere between like Magneto, Venom, or Dormammu. <laughs> I don't so, even know the last one. Uh, uh, D- like, Dormammu, <laughs> my, my casualness is, is showing, I guess. <laughs> Dormammu is like Doctor Strange's, like one of his many uh, villains. Uh, it's the big one. I mean, he, like, he has Baron Mordo, which is like this. His his buddy, or right. I mean, his not his buddy, his a uh, fellow sorcerer that he has like spats with. But like Dormammu is the big, uh, one of the bigger, like you know, crazy spooky. He's got a flaming head. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a flaming head, but he's not Ghost Rider. So he's yeah, like, he's not Ghost Rider, but he's pretty sweet because of that. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say Ghost Rider because of the leather jacket, but that's superficial. No, obviously. no, you you would think that Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm terrified of bikes, so I would never ride one. Ah, okay. So uh, going back a little bit, what is it about Deadpool that makes him one of your favorite characters? I think it's oddly how close I am to him as a character. 
uh it, because i think it's what's helping are you also sh- an assassin is that what it yeah was? yeah mostly i'm an assassin okay. uh but i mean now i guess i've outed myself so this is the, <laughs> the, the the way to come out of letting everyone know that i'm an assassin but i think it was mostly just because it, it helped me become I, like it, who i am which also helped me become a streamer is that i'm not very good with dead air i you know what i mean i'm, I'm always filling in the spaces and and that that goes the same for in public that goes, you know, like when I'm out with friends, whatever, I'm the chatterbox, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, it, it, like, oh, I, I haven't said anything ridiculous today. Time to go yell into the void. You know what I mean? Say something ridiculous, because that, that's like, if there's silence. No, no, no. I'm just gonna say something right now. <laughs> like, I'm gonna break the silence. I, I think we we did a thing where it was to see how long I could go without saying anything for on a road trip, and I think I lasted a whole like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so and it was even harder to like not say something ridiculous because i i guess like growing up i to to say a little bit more about who i am like and i love i love deadpool because he he's always been humorous uh i loved his 90s joe kelly run uh you know like i, I love i loved everything about deadpool and you know thanks to deadpool reading the comics when i was younger i actually learned more about pop culture that i probably wouldn't have gotten as uh, a younger kid, right? Because I looked up a lot of the references, like one of the old covers, obviously, which uh, w- which made me really excited and got me into like like Alien was that one of the old covers was like Deadpool and his little mask over the the like you know the iconic Alien egg movie art, and then but instead of the alien just being an alien egg, it's the alien egg with Deadpool's mask over it. So all these comic book covers kind of led to a bunch of pop culture references, which then led to me like researching them. And then I learned a lot along the way. So that is really cool. So he was like, uh, or the way it was written, it became sort of a gateway to other pieces of pop, pop culture. Yeah, that's how I got so emerged, like immersed into like all the uh, like the pop culture things going on. But do you remember how it was that you started reading comics in the first place? Oh, how I started reading comics. It was weird. I shifted between manga and, and like comic books. So obviously being a small child and the amount of income you have as a small child is like none, none. Uh, it was (laughs) pretty much (laughs) saving up my lunch money. So I would, there would be a phase where originally I was reading a lot of comics then I switched over to manga and then like I was reading like Initial D, all the Tokyo Pop stuff. But then I switched back to comic books and I think it all just started because of toys uh, like the the X-Men toys growing up, the TV show growing up, the iconic, you know, ridiculous, eight, almost like meme sounding X-Men intro song. Hmm. Um, I've, I've always been fascinated with the music side of things. Like I always graded a show on its intro music, too. Um, so. <laughs> And it's because my dad and who he was, he's always been like a person that loved audio. Whether he was the person that would be like, I love speakers. I had to have the home system, inter- like home entertainment system. I had of all these things, and he he learned most of it, like a good amount of his English from like when he came from like uh, I believe from Vietnam, because um, I am Vietnamese, and he learned most of it from listening to or a good chunk of it from listening to music. So like bands like Boston, the Cars, uh, the Beatles, stuff like that. And that's just why I – that's how I learned about music. For me, I already knew English, but it, it just taught me music. Mm-hmm. You you had that at home basically, that influence. Yes. Yeah. yeah, correct. Right on. 
So let, let's kind of start from the beginning. I would love to know, even before magic and the music and all that stuff, tell me a bit about your parents and whether you have, basically your parents and siblings, if you have any. Um, so, you know, my dad, uh, just kind of a, oddly the opposite of me, very quiet, um, but kind of just like the, the rock in my life growing up. Like I knew I could rely on him for anything. He was very strict. Um, I, I obviously was upset about my dad when I was younger cause he didn't buy me all the things I wanted, but that's what my mom was for to mm-hmm. spoil me. Um, <laughs> Good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, my, my dad had to be the bad cop. So, um, and then I have a half sister, uh, but like both of my parents, I think, I think they both, they're like, I know that my dad's from Vietnam. I know my mom's from Vietnam and, uh, and whatnot. And they, they both met over here, oddly. And then, uh, you know, we, we moved around a lot. My dad like, like served in like the Navy and whatnot, um, before, you know, before he had me. And then, uh, eventually somewhere down the timeline, you know, my parents, you know, they find love, they get married, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) And, uh, and going down even farther, I, I think sometime towards my high school years, uh, that's when I lose uh, – my mom has a stroke, right? Uh, and, you know, my mom has a stroke, uh, and, and she was living in L.A. at this point. My parents were split up, I think, probably by the time I was in middle school. Um, no, actually a little before that. I think probably like fourth or fifth grade. They were split up. Uh, my mom moved to L.A. My dad stayed uh, in the Bay, like mm-hmm. in, in like nor- Northern California. And uh, pretty much from that point on, you know, my mom, uh, she does – she had a moderately unhealthy diet um, mm-hmm. and did like was a diabetic, didn't take her meds. Um, and, and then I guess she did have a stroke. And this is the craziest thing. My my mom, a very proud and like obviously powerful woman, uh, <laughs> is having a stroke and her heart rate is going like a bit like you know obviously racing bursting out of her chest right, mm-hmm. and still she would had this ridiculous fear that she would might have passed without seeing me, so she forced a family friend you know who's very obviously not. My mom, my mom is a very convincing personality. She's very uh, hard-headed too. So um, is forcing this family friend to drive her from like pretty much L.A., right, Los Angeles, all the way to like San Jose with a heart attack for five hours. She And he's flooring it for five hours. She's driving all the way back here just to make sure – she can get to my grandma's place so that they can call me over so she could see me. And so, I mean, obviously that was a little ridiculous when you think about it. Like, why wouldn't you just go to the hospital first and then I would come see you there, right? Mm -hmm. But my mom wanted to make it a thing that for sure she saw me in case anything happened. And she did, and then she gets put on the stretcher. But unfortunately, the window to get around, uh, you know, like there's a window you have to remove the blood clot, Mm -hmm. and then in and then she missed that window. So uh, I think I think it was like my sophomore year. That was when uh, like like right where a lot of things happened to me my sophomore year actually um, where she kind of is now in a vegetable state. Uh, she understands what I'm saying. Like she understands what everyone's saying. Mm-hmm. She's still around to this day. Uh, bless her sweet soul. Uh, and she, you know, and like she's amazing. Uh, like but I think that she should have just gone to the hospital. Uh, 
but yeah, she's in a ve- vegetable state now, and um, like you know, she understands what we're saying. She just mostly makes noises, mm-hmm. but she can't like speak a full like. Pro- she knows if she remembers a few words, bits and pieces, right. but but you know I, she's I listening. Yeah, yeah, she's listening, and uh, like so that happens. Then I get into the craziest thing. I actually don't even have a real femur bone on my right leg. I think or <laughs> something like that. Um, I have a rod there. Because in my sophomore year, same sophomore year, I get in my I, I'm asleep in the backseat. My friend just driving, and I guess he's he's going absurdly fast on the expressway. There's a pothole. He's driving a small Acura RSX, but front bumper pops out from underneath, and we ricochet off a bunch of trees. The car looks like a GameCube by the end of all of this, and then I'm getting pulled out of the car. Like the car has to get cut open, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then I get pulled out. So long story short, I had a very long sophomore year, and then. I guess my dad. Well, you're lucky passed. to be alive. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised. I'm very fortunate to even be alive and where I am today. So a lot of things has happened in my life to where the demeanor I have now, like how I'm just always ridiculously upbeat and happy, right? Like I always try to see the bright. Like I'm like obviously the glasses half full kind of th- uh, person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because so many things have happened to me um, in my childhood that has made it so that I realize, like a, you know. I'm not really going to spend my time being mad, angry, jealous, or anything like that. Uh, I mean, maybe may, maybe jealous, like of people who might have like more foil to fairies than me. But like that's <laughs> that's about it, right? Like you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and so like at that point, I had had a lot of miserable things happen, and then the next thing is I have a little sister at this point, and you know we're we're living with uh my my stepmom, mm-hmm. and you know my stepmom has high blood pressure. And at this point, she had not given birth to my half-sister yet, actually. So once she gives birth to my half-sister, my sister, she's about like 10 years younger than me, which is crazy to think about now. Um, and so she, the doctor gives her the whole like thing, uh, hey, you have high blood pressure, and you either A, can take the chance, give birth, and have a high probability of passing away or abort the baby. My stepmom chooses to have the baby, uh, unfortunately she passes away, but at this point now I have my half sister, you know, I think actually this is like middle school. I think I have my timeline jumbled. This is like, uh, like towards seventh grade, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, my dad has been a single dad, you know, taking care of me the whole time. Uh, my mom also up in LA, but at, you know, at this point we're going to move past that point. Um, she is in her vegetable state and I'm visiting her when I can, you know, and whatnot. Uh, my dad's been a single dad. We just move uh, into a new place. You know, he wants to get a place, a house. Uh, early, this is like, right. Like when houses were relatively somewhat reasonable in California and I mean, or as reasonable as it can be. Mm-hmm. And pretty much we go, we move, my dad's stressed out. Um, and like that is, you know, I, you, you don't think about it when you're younger, but I, I'm a little bit of a turd. I'm going to keep it PG 13. Now there's many words I could describe myself with, uh, at, at that age, but I'm a turd. I'm, I'm obviously, like not really listening to what my dad's saying. I'm, I'm doing whatever I want as a, like a normal, typical high schooler. You know, I'm on top of the world, right? Mm-hmm. I have a broken leg. I'm on top of the world. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so my dad in all amongst all of this, a smoker, all these things, um, stressing. I, 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 this is one of the things that I, I always carry like a, on my shoulder to remember. It's like, I wish I could help my dad a little bit more, but under all the stress, he has a heart attack, goes into cardiac arrest, passes away. Um, and so as a younger child, you know, I'm forced to grow up pretty quick. 
when you think about that, right? Like my dad passes, my mom's in a vegetable state. I now have a little sister, a little sister, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a solid, I think, year, like, you know, obviously I can't pay mortgage. You know what I mean? Like the mortgage on this house that my dad hasn't even made the first month uh, payment on yet because I'm way too young for this. So obviously I had my first job when I was 16, but like I had, it's not a real job, right? Like my first job was like Jamba Juice. It's not a job that can pay mortgage. Right. So. Or or it's not a job that can pay, pay mortgage if you still have to go to school. And yeah. And deal with that. Exactly. Like, it's like, I'm still going to school. I'm doing all of this. So, obviously, at this point, uh, when my dad passes, it's right as senior, my senior year, and I'm graduating. Um, and so, I think, and like, at that point, uh, I, I pretty much have to now get into this fight or flight kind of mode, uh, like train of thought. And I'm like, okay, well, my little sister, it's, it's beyond me now, right? Like I can't just be a little turd and ignore my responsibilities. It's beyond me. Uh, I have to take care of my sister. And so for a solid about like year, I'm working like three jobs, uh, and, and whatnot, like maybe like working a f- and going to a few classes at my local community college and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm doing all of that, and then I guess you know, there's always gonna be I don't know for some, but in our in my family there there are some suspect people that come out of the woodworks when they hear there's like you know money involved, yeah, and not so I'm and because of this there's a dispute who's gonna out like my my little sister you know she like to tie it dial it back a little bit, you know I'm taking her to class and 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 whatnot and like she's going to school and doing all these things and apparently one day. Uh, I guess like for show and tell or something, my, my sister, who's like, maybe like, like, I don't know, like however old she might've been like seven years old or something. And then like a first grade, whatever first or second grader is. And they, they, you know, they're, they're sharing something from home. And what she shares is a very dark borderline, like suicidal letter at, at like in like second grade. She, she wrote that herself, right? Like she's like. Obviously, it's not like it's detailed, but it's essentially like I want to die, uh, uh, right? Like, or and 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 it, it kind of like pains me. And then because of that, you know, child services get involved, right? And then all these other things, and that's what causes. And you know, like I'm really happy that they did. Obviously, under the circumstances, it's it's miserable, but because like I was in no way, shape, or form to take care of like you know a a, a child, right? Like I I myself was a child, mm-hmm. um, and. And so, like, child services get involved, and she, you know, now I'm going in and out of court for a year. Uh, well, I'm like, I'm part, I'm her brother, so I'm, I'm like there to like kind of like see, well, who would I pick to like take care of my sister? But even then, my word is not the final word, um, because at the end of the day, it's still my little sister's, right? And so, there's these parties. They're trying to convince her to like, you know stay with them, and then eventually that gets resolved. Uh, and I'm really happy for where she is right now. Uh, where she is right now is perfect. Um, like, like my my cousin ended up taking care of her, and I'm just really happy that that she is because thanks to that, now my sister is like, it's so weird. She like texts me. She has a phone. She knows how to use it. It's weird. I'm not kind of not like really used to that. Um, it's just like you remember it, her as that you know small six seven year old, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like up to my like her height up to like my kneecaps. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like. Now she's texting. She's got a car. And I'm like, wait, she can get a, She can drive. Who's watching her drive? You know, like things like that. And she's go. she's like graduating and going on to like college and doing all these other things. So uh, I like I, it's just mind blowing to me. And I'm happy that, you know, she's where she is now. And it couldn't it could not have happened 
it could there could not have been a better way like like uh, th- than just having my cousin to uh, like take care of her because now she is just all around a, a more wholesome person and like yeah like that was that was a heavy thing for me you know like like informing my sister you know when like cuz like what happened is we had to inform my sister of my dad's passing we had to send her away let her go on her vacation inform her when when I, when you know like dialing it back of course like 5 10 years uh like to inform her that my dad had passed and i think this is one of the things that kind of like sparked me to like become the shot like I, I i'm willing to take a lot of shots you know in life uh uh-huh, because and it's all because you know she looks at me and you know I, i'm informing her of my dad's passing our dad's passing and she just says it's not fair, you know, you got to spend more time with dad than I did. And, you know, it's coming from a little girl that, you know, didn't, didn't even get to know her parents, really. Her mom passed before, you know, she could do anything. And in doing that, it made me want to, it kind of sparked this, these heroics in me. Like I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more than I am. And in doing that, and in, in, in that moment, it, it sparked me wanting to like live all the dreams, right? Like, Anything that I ever wanted to do, um, I, I shouldn't just like be afraid, take the safe route because you know of uh, of a failure, and and like failure was not a thing that scared me because and it, it's crazy because like a lot of kids and at that age can take the risks and opportunities because they have the safety nets in their parents and and a fallback plan. Whereas I was just like, I'm just gonna take my shot right after my sister gets taken away, uh, and like you know like like now lives, uh, in the, in the East coast, I go, all right, I'm going to just sink all my time into like music. I obviously I, along the way, by the way, mm-hmm. I'm playing magic all the way through. This. Okay. So like, you had already started back. playing magic. Yeah. yeah. I started magic in middle school. Sorry. I, I, I led a little bit more with the, de- the, the dark Batman story, but like, <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> it's like, all good. Yeah. I I've been playing magic since like I like I, I I there were Odyssey cards legal. Um I want to say it was Onslaught, but I play a little bit more like tabletop with friends around the like the block right before that. What was right before Onslaught? I think it was like Judgment. That I sounds think. right. That sounds right. Yeah, I, I I just remember seeing the the Phantom Tiger starter deck and all these other things uh, like the little boxes and whatnot but uh so yeah sorry weird little break here but like to give you a a little bit uh, a tie-in i've been playing magic all the way from that point uh up until like you know i I think kamigawa i i I stopped playing for a little bit in the second set of kamigawa i think that's champions or or something second set of kamigawa uh i'd gotten tired of gta um (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah talk about a a, an overpowered card but how did how did you get into magic was it a friend that pulled you in or how did that happen yeah it, it started with just at um at the cafeteria actually uh i was in middle school and it's funny my friend he comes up he brings his starter decks right of course you know he takes all the good cards from the starter decks and we have very medium starter decks but <clears throat> uh I, I, I got a mono – it was in a Judgment Phantom Tiger deck box, like the little boxes that the starter decks came in, but it was actually not that deck. It was a mono black deck. Of course, you know when you're in middle school, you have no idea of the maths and the requirements uh, for your mana base. I think we played like 13 lands and 9 drops like out, out the wazoo. <laughs> right? like, it's like I, – I remember my favorite card at that time 
was devouring Strauss or whatever. Uh-huh. Right? It was like, whoa, it's a nine man and nine nine has flying trample, and I have to sack a creature every upkeep. Oh, I'm never casting this because it's nine mana. Uh, but like, uh, the, I had a, I love the idea of like horror themed things. Maybe it has to do with the fact that my dad showed me The Exorcist at the age of like five. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that could have something to do with it. I think. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I, I think it shaped me to be a better person. So <laughs> scared me into <laughs> adulthood. And so I made a horror themed deck. And you might have known of this card back then, Psychotog. It was a horror. It's blue and black. So that's where I came into my first favorite color uh, pairing, color pairing, blue and black. So I built a horror themed deck. I had Childhood Horrors, I had Psychotog, I had Devouring Strauss. I don't even think these were standard legal. I, I think I'm playing like a bunch of cards from random different sets because I remember playing like Dark Ritual and whatnot, right? So that I know that was not in standard. And so we're just doing super tabletop style at, in the cafeteria. Friend brings the starter decks, and that's how I came into Magic. Then I found my local game center. Um, once I found my lo- – like I, I, I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! at the same time. I was doing both games, so pretty much my parents were always broke. Um because I had both Yu-Gi-Oh, bo- and Magic, and Pokemon, all three actually. There's three things there. Eventually, wow, I, you I were a triathlete. Pokemon. Yeah, you got all three going. Yeah, <laughs> I, I played it all. Like I was in the quad every day at lunch. Whatever game, if you wanted to find me, you could find me at the tables. I played it all. Um, and then I played Yu-Gi-Oh. I played Ma- I chopped uh, Pokemon. I played Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, so I could sink more money in that. Because parents obviously told me I have a budget. Mm-hmm. And then, eventually. I needed I, I started going to tournaments. That's when I found my local game center, which was Superstars, which became Channel Fireball. That's so right. So I have been playing at Channel Fireball. It's so crazy to think this. So John Sasso, if you're listening, everyone thank you. Yeah, because thanks to that, I've been playing at Channel Fireball since I was maybe in like fourth grade. And I've grown up in what is essentially Channel Fireball. You you were at Channel Fireball before it was Channel Fireball. Basically, you were one exactly. of the OGs. Yeah, I w- like they were still like kind of like buying video games, and I would trade old video games in for Magic cards and stuff. Like I remember saving my lunch money to buy singles. Like Exalted Angel was like thirty bucks, and I built Astral Slide. So eventually, I found my I, I sold out of Yu Gi Oh, and then I I got my competitive side going when i say competitive i mean f and m which is really high stakes when you're like in fifth grade and have like negative money and it's just like oh i gotta pay six dollars everyone's like playing their best <laughs> deck and like you know what i mean like that's like, yeah. oh how, how do i beat these people right eventually move forward uh flash forward and like i'm you know i'm still playing magic uh, i think around the time when the passing of my father it was also just all around the time of like what what is so I World Wake was not around the passing of my father. That's two thousand and no, that's two thousand nine, right? World Wake is two thousand nine. Is it World Wake Zendikar is around then, right? Yeah, I I think like World Wake was two thousand and two thousand ten, but I would I came I played since like Alara or Shards and all of that. So I was playing fairies and whatnot, and then. So around this time, like around World Wake, though, is when I finally stepped it up. Like I played fairies at like, you know, uh, which was a competitive deck. Um, it was blue and black, but I played it at an F&M level. Then I found out about, like oddly enough, GPs around like 2009. So that was my first taste. You started playing in GPs around then, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I was way more spiky than I am now. Like, oh, the like if you would have told me that there was like like I'd be playing like religiously playing EDH 
2009 me would would be like, no way. There's nothing at stake. Why would I play it? Mm-hmm. I I was legitimately a way sharper player then than I am now. I will tell you that a hundred. Yeah, you were a young grinder, right? You're trying to yeah, like, trying to win those F and M's and GPs. Yeah. Yeah, I woke up every morning 9 a.m. Go to the PPTQ or PTQs. This is one of the funniest things. I remember, like sitting, getting like to like like Sacramento, having to wake up at like seven so I could get there at nine, and then being there. Uh, from like like PTQs went all day. They went from like nine to like eleven, and like I remember, I, I, like I almost taught like I, I top aided one, and then I or I almost top aided one, and I ended up getting like I think like tenth or something on breakers, and I felt miserable. But and it was like all day for that. It was all day for that. Anywho, that's my history of Magic, right? Like I I, I once around two thousand nine, I found out about competitive things. I played very competitively up until about like 2012 i think 2012 was when i got into music and so i love my m&ms you know i uh music magic marvel like i love them so uh at that point you know i told you like my dad had passed in 2009 and i realized well i love magic it's a game that i'll always play but i need a new amp i need a new guitar so I like I had sold out of my Japanese foil Jace the Mind Sculptors, all my Russian Stoneforge foil Mystics and stuff like that, which I wish I had back, um, and <laughs> <laughs> and all the Zendikar fetch lands. I traded them in. I remember this. Yep. It, they, they were like eight dollars. I got eight dollars for my Scalding Tarns. Right. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I remember event decks had Stoneforge, so those were like maybe like ten bucks. <laughs> um. And so I, I sell all, like a good chunk of my magic cards uh, and I, I I buy into what was a rumored format then, which was modern because I sold out of standard. I bought blue black teachings and then I bought a new amp. I bought all these things. I bought a new guitar. I bought guitar pedals. And then that led me into the world of music where I then started a band, uh, met which one of my closest friends I met on Craigslist. It's crazy. Uh, he is like absolutely one of my best friends. Okay. How, how did that come about? Like you were just looking for a bandmate on Craigslist or was it something else? Yeah, just a bandmate. It was just like, Hey, guitarist looking to start a band, looking for singer, have a bassist, <laughs> right? Like simple as that had a bassist who I met on Craigslist. And, and funniest, funniest thing is like, we met our singer. He was the last piece of the puzzle. And we actually, Reject like initially I wanted I was rejecting. I was like, nah, he wasn't good enough. As a singer, you mean, or as a bassist? Yeah, as 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 a singer. Okay. Because it was at that point we had a bassist, uh, two guitarists, and 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 like and that was it, right? We needed a drummer. We had some people like that were filling in, but so we knew like all we needed was just a singer. Ended up that a singer. We 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 reject him, and you know we try out a bunch of other people, and after we tried like thirty other people, we're like, okay. Maybe we'll just go with the blue-haired guy. <laughs> he was the best out of the thirty people, basically. Yeah, he was the best out of the thirty people. He looked like a fr- like a guy Fieri. Uh, he looked like guy Fieri had frosted tips uh-huh. uh, and whatnot, but he was blue frosted tips, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and and but all of a sudden, you know, we meet up again, and he is better than he was before. He also said he's willing to play keyboard. Like he picked up keyboards mm-hmm. in like three weeks. Dude's a, gen- a genius, brilliant. Um. He learns everything very quick, uh, and, and and you know we hit it off, and you know we do this band. Eventually, it gets to a point where we want to take it a little more seriously, so we're doing like you know the whole outfitted photos, right? Like there, it's not just like five people who look randomly put together in a photo. We look like a unit, right? Mm, coordinated, right? 
Yeah, almost like, whoa, coordination. <laughs> yes. And and we actually cared how we sound live. We stopped playing at the local arcade. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then we we moved from the Chuck E. Cheese's to like real venues. And I remember our first show that wasn't like an arcade. Oh, we went all out. We bought lights. We bought all these things. We bought a fog machine. We didn't need any of that, by the way. Yeah. For those that are starting a band, you don't need any of that. Just sound good. All right. Just sound good. Play so, well. Krim, let me backtrack a tiny bit. How did you initially pick up the guitar? Like, how long have you been playing guitar before you guys formed the band and started doing this? I picked up the guitar legitimately, I would say, 2011. Legitimately. So that is really recently. I mean, relative to when you guys started doing the band. Like, was it like what? What was it that made you really want to? get into that music in a big way. Cause I know lots of people that kind of just fool around with the guitar or an instrument, but how did you go from that to be like, I need to form a band and, and, you know, do something like this. I thought about all the life changes, experience, life changing experiences I've had. And they've kind of like revolved around music. I mean, if it weren't for as crazy as it sounds, if it weren't for music, I probably wouldn't have even gotten heavier, like into magic heavier. Uh, like, uh, like more heavily involved uh, because like Magic used to be at Warp Tour. Uh, a lot of things happened with music for me. Like my first meet your idols kind of moment was My Chemical Romance. Um, I like I met them at Warp Tour, and they you know like they a fence fell on me and then they brought they're like bring that guy backstage and uh and like they were nice enough you know they they signed my stuff and like I I didn't realize how much they had an effect on me, but like, it was a crazy moment to like, where you got to meet your heroes, your idols, and they're more than what you thought they were. And Gerard way, a fellow comic book nerd, mm -hmm. like showed me at that point, it's okay to be into music heavily and also love nerdy things. Like I struggled a lot with that, right? Like I was never very open about how nerdy I was when I was growing up. I struggled a lot with that. I'm sure none of us went around telling people that we love comic books and played magic, the gathering, right? Right. Like people knew I played card games. I just couldn't hide that. Right. I naturally drew a lot of attention. I wore like eyeliner, eyeshadow, had black nails, spike bracelets and Liberty spikes when I was. So I looked very gothy punk, mm -hmm. but I but I which I did listen to. I listened to a lot of it, but I also loved really nerdy things. And so and like, as I told you, my dad loves music. So I've always been around music. And so finally, I was like, well, with my dad's passing and like the, the short lease, like, you know, you might like you might have like anyone could have on life. I, I didn't want to miss out on anything, right? I, I wanted to make sure that I got to experience any dream that I had. I wanted to try to pursue it immediately. Right. Let's just go for it, right? Yeah, like and so I did. I I picked up the guitar more seriously. Um I even paid for lessons to like kind of have an idea of what I'm doing. And by no means am I like, you know, the best guitarist in the world. I don't think that I am at all. I'm not even close. I, I, if everyone asks me, I always say I attempt to play the guitar. I don't play the guitar because I feel like I am nowhere near what a lot of people are in guitar, like the guitar world. But I do know that I love writing music. I love writing songs. So I know a melody. I know what I want to hear and I want to try to write it. And so it, it may take me a while to get there. Like I have no idea what chord I'm playing. I don't know what scale I'm using. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I can tell you that I like hearing this. <laughs> that's pretty much how my music talk goes. I don't know what you played. I like it. Do it again. Right. You And you knew you wanted to say certain things through the music, right? Right, right. And I have a message and like I, my the music that I had, 
like it, there was, it was a, I was all about feel good music, right? Because I feel like, uh, that was where I was at. And, and I, to this day, I would, I, I've had many bands. I've had punk bands. I've had hardcore bands. I've had a slightly metalcore band. And then I've had a pop band, but it wasn't poppy enough. So I wanted a more like the band I ended up going with is more dance pop electric. Like, cause I mean, I did really enjoy a lot. I, I enjoy a wide variety of music. A lot of it stems from like the cars, uh, stuff like that. But I, and like, you know, the indie rock push that had gotten, uh, you know, big at that point, like two door cinema club, passion pit, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, my band, we go out and we do this thing and I tour, you know, and you know, I, I, I these are like my closest friends. I, we meet another, we tour with another local band. Um, they're called finish ticket, right? At that time, they were not a major label act or anything like that. And, um, you know, we tour together. Our, our tour sucked, by the way. Our tour sucked. Like, I don't know why we thought we could tour, like, outside of the states. Or, I mean, outside of uh, California and have any relevance, right? We, we, we went to, like, Seattle. We went to all these places. And we played to, like, two people, right? And we, we spent all of our gas money. All of our, like, all of our food money was on gas just to get to the next city. And... You know, any anywho, I we meet up with this band. Tour goes terrible, right? Uh, like there's there's no one there. <laughs> we I think we played a massage parlor. Legitimately, we played a massage parlor, and uh, and uh, after that point, but we they were the coolest dudes. The the band. Yeah. At some point, they lose their rhythm guitarist, and they're like, "Hey, we need someone to fill in." So I'm like, "All right, cool. I'll join you on the road." And so I play with them. Uh, at this point, you know, they're getting bigger. They're getting bigger. Then eventually they get picked up by Atlantic Records. Um, and so Atlantic Records happens. They're going all these crazy tours. Uh, you know, and I've been there at this point for uh, like pretty much all of it, um, at least from that point. I, the band had been around since they were in middle school, but I, I joined in a little bit later. And then eventually they get signed on to Atlantic Records. I'm on the road with them. We're playing shows and like venues that I never thought I could ever play. My dream was to play the Fox Theater in Oakland, and we got to play that when we uh, opened for all of the Blurry Face Tour with 21 Pilots. We got to open for Fitz in the Tantrum. Um you know, I, and we got to play festivals that I used to like, you know, daydream of being on the stage uh, when I was younger. And like, 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 obviously, I'm making this sound a lot easier. It wasn't like, ah, oh, just surprise, you're on the stage. But I had to grind, you know, like yeah. we there, there were there was a solid few years where it was just like, all I did was lose money. I all I did was lose money. Like that, that was my jam, just losing money. It was a hobby. And, uh, and and like eventually, you know, something gave and I saw a chance and I unfortunately left my old band to kind of just pursue and be with this new band tour with them, play with them. And, you know, that led to things like being on Conan. And obviously it like this band uh, finished ticket. They did not just immediately start at the top. Uh, there was a lot. They did their fair share like of, of grinding themselves. They grinded a lot. And I was able to join in and, you know, get on to that, get to that point where, you know, we got to play on Conan, as I'd mentioned, and these major label acts, major label tours. And at some point I, you know, like down the line, we play our headliner, you know, at the very last show we got to play here at home. I realized my life at home hadn't really taken off. It'd been pretty stagnant, right? Like it's been, cause when, when you leave for the road for so long, I had an ex at the time. Uh, you know, I wanted to, like at this point, I wanted to be married, uh, at this point in my life, 
Uh, I, I granted, I wanted to be married at a young age. I wanted to have like children, I think by like 26, by the way, I'm 28. So the only child I have is my dog <laughs> and, 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 and like to fairy, <laughs> but, and, and so I, I had all these life plans and they were they, like, life had just not gone the way I planned it. I thought I was going to Stanford, by the way. Uh, <laughs> there you I, am, go. I, I was very far from Stanford. I, I'm like not even in the parking lot. I'm not even in the same galaxy as going to Stanford. Um, and so I realized I wanted to do something and make something for myself at home, right? And and because like music, I love music. I did everything I wanted to do in music. I'm not by any means done with music. Like if if the time or you know the the everything lines up, maybe right, do it again. But Right now, I'm on this what seems to be like a hiatus for music. I'm starting my life at home, but I I I, I eventually got a job. I wanted to do all these things. I had had even gotten engaged at a point. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out, but like I'd gotten engaged, and then you know, uh, it being engaged and whatnot really drove me to like have a real job, right? Like. Now I need money. Now I'm right. not planning just for myself. I'm yeah. planning for for my partner and I. Mm -hmm. And you know, she's working her part, I'm doing my part. And you know, obviously it didn't work out, but uh, at the end of it all, it did teach me some things. Right? Like I, I I need to have responsibility. I need to be able to handle my own. I realized I couldn't do it. I couldn't handle my own. Like if for a, a long period of time if I did not have my uh, like my ex and I like I, there's no way I could have paid rent on my own. Right. Like there's no way we split rent. Right. In our own apartment. Uh, we, we split it half and half. But like imagine trying to do it all by yourself. And so at this point, I had worked so many weird jobs. Uh, I'd worked. I remember I was working at Channel Fireball. Right. When I came back, Channel Fireball had always employed me while I've been gone on the road because they're super chill. They're like, yeah. yo, you know, if you need to be gone for randomly seven months, here you go. Uh, like. <laughs> yeah, and they, they were the only job that would allow me to do that. But when I got once I got back, I still worked at Channel. I worked a construction job. I then worked at Facebook. I let this. This is the one that everybody roasted me over. I left Facebook to start streaming. What were you doing at Facebook? I was more so just like uh, I think uh, they call it content moderator. Okay. So like like that kind of thing. This is probably not a very fun job, right? Uh it 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 was though cuz the company. Okay. The, company, the culture was good, I, right? Okay. The culture was sweet. I enjoyed it. I I loved it, right? Now at that time I'd have Twitch open all the time. I was also streaming in my on my own like I was working full-time and streaming, mm -hmm. right? And I remember this I just approached MTG Goldfish, uh, like cuz I'd played the owner at FNM and I was like, "Hey, are you looking to sponsor streamers? You know, doing doing my thing. You know, making my rounds, seeing what companies I like, and see if I could partner up with them. And because uh, I had originally uh, tried to see if Channel wanted to sponsor my stream, but at that time Arena wasn't out, and I was a Hearthstone streamer. Yeah. I was a variety streamer, then turned Hearthstone streamer, then turned Arena streamer. Um, and so, like, yeah, like all all that happens. I'm working full time. I realize. I'm going crazy. I'm not, I'm giving up sleep. I don't advise this. I don't recommend this to anyone that wants to do full-time streaming, uh, which is give up sleeping, uh, at all because I, I, I did that. I slept maybe two hours. I worked nine to five streamed seven to two. Yikes. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty intense.
I did that five days a week. I used to stream six days a week, work five. I I noticed that like maybe luckily I benefited from the fact that uh, where I work had a ton of coffee <laughs> <for free laughs> that I could go. take home. Yeah. But I was pretty caffeine fueled, uh, black tea fueled, and yeah. eventually, you know, I I, I get the offer um, to like work with Goldfish. I'd never done YouTube. I'd never. I still to this day am a you noob, if you would, uh, because like I'm a YouTube noob, and like I'm still learning a lot of things along the way. Trust me, I got the comment section to prove it. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 like that's that's the thing. I I finally realized I can leave my job. I don't need to be rich, right? Like I don't need to make all the money in the world. I just need to be happy because that was the biggest thing while being home, leaving music. Struggling to come to grips with the fact that I had no creative outlet and I just had to work a basic nine to five. No offense that anyone does, you know, mm-hmm. like like you're doing it. You're killing it. You're doing what I could not do. It takes some serious grit to do that. And I just didn't have what it takes. So I was like, I need to go out. I need to go do something, but I still need to make money. So how do I do that? So I chose to do content creation. Um, it took me a while. It took me a while until I can go to the full time. I remember I talked to a lot of people. I was scared. Gabby Sparts, huge part in this. I was part of her streaming community. I talked to her. She gave me tips. Like, she's a saint. And like, thanks to her, you know, she even helped me get partner on Twitch. Like, told me what to do. Mm-hmm. And then once I got partnered, once I got the the everything I needed, I left. I left Facebook or I left the company that I was working for, and then, um, did it full time. And, uh, like the craziest thing before that too, is right before I left, I was, as I told you, I was streaming Hearthstone uh, before that I did variety. I thought when I was streaming, I, I, when I picked up streaming, I, if I did variety, I could pull viewers from multiple different games, which means I would have more viewers all around. Yeah. What that meant was easier that's said just, than done, right? Oh, easier said than run, uh, done. And also hundred percent wrong. <laughs> okay. Because all that happened was I let down more people from different communities. Mm-hmm. They thought they would get more Resident Evil content. They'd get more horror survival content. No, well today you get Overwatch. Yeah. No, today you get uh, a MOBA like Hearts or uh, Here's the Storm or, or or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that w- then I shifted to what I but I've always been a card gamer first, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'd play these games on stream and then play Hearthstone when I'm not and play Magic in paper. Then I was like, well, Moto is a game that I refuse to stream. So I was like, okay, I'll pass on the spreadsheets. I'll play Hearthstone. Streaming Hearthstone, I lost all my viewers. And at that time, you got to remember, that's a lot for someone that just started up. I think I had like 15, 20 concurrents. Then eventually I got to about 30 to 40 concurrents. And I was like, oh, I'm riding high. This is this is it. This is this it, was, baby. Prime time. Yeah, we're prime time. We're ready. We're ready. I'm pretty much like Ninja. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but not at all, right? So yeah. then I was like, okay, Arena comes out. Obviously, I'm playing Hearthstone competitively on stream, doing all the qualifiers. Uh, you know, like I, I knew of all, like like I'm watching Dog, uh, like Disguised Toast, all these people. Like I want to be like them. But I also played competitive Magic on paper. Still, I was still doing PPDQs at the time, and you know, working and streaming. So I don't know how I'm. I'm like I had any time for anything. Um, then eventually, Arena co- uh, comes out. I get into the uh, the NDA lift comes out. I start streaming that nonstop. I'm like, this is it. Magic's done it. They've given me a game that I can play 35 Mm seven. And so I do that stream takes off. Uh, I'm I'm one of the first people out of the gates. I think I got lucky with uh, like where, where I am now is entirely luck. I think 
Um, I I know we, we like. I, I think you're underselling it. I know. I know we talked about it, but I I think you had to do a fair amount of preparation and work to get to that point to be lucky, right? Yeah, I, I there is work it required, but it still was the right time, right place kind of thing mm-hmm. that you need to have. And I think I got lucky enough to have that. Uh, I was right out the NDA lift. I'm or I'm naturally a high energy person in a game. Like when you think card games, it's not like you're sitting there screaming with a. It's phone not FCCs. Like, it's not like Street Fighter, right? <laughs> right, right. You're not. You're not sitting here and you're not like yelling at the screen like you're watching Overwatch League. It's not like high, like yeah. high speed, like gameplay, like APM where it matters. Here, it's like I click and drag, which oddly enough is harder than you than I make it sound because I misclick all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe it is high APM. Um, yeah, like I finally switch over and uh, I get lucky and the stream kind of takes off. I get partnered and, you know, like now the whole goal is like now that I'm partnered, I want to do more than just be partnered, right? Like I want to I want to make a channel that has a community that people can come and just hang out, laugh at dumb jokes and dad jokes and maybe those are synonymous, but like I don't I don't want I I I the thing here is when I started my stream, I was like about all about being competitively casual. I have a spiky background, but I started moving towards a casual uh, side of gameplay so and it's weird because like my spiky side conflicts with my meme side right so yeah uh it, it's nice that I, I i try to build decks that kind of walk the fine line so like i'll still play control decks that are competitive but i'll be meme by choosing how i win so that that's just like my background and how i got into where i am now i love to break that down a little bit Going from Hearthstone into into Magic, like you have been playing Magic, uh, in on paper for the whole time. So was it a was it a no brainer slam dunk, or were, were there was there any kind of hesitation involved with going into Arena at all? Believe it or not, there was a lot of hesitation because I was finally grinding and getting people to watch me to play Hearthstone. So I was very scared to leave and restart over from zero. On top of that, um. I was worried that maybe arena becomes like duels. Oh, you mean it wouldn't stick, right? Like it would. Right, it wouldn't stick. Like it, the game was fun to me, yeah. and it was the closest we had gotten. It was like real magic, right? It felt like real magic without having to like with like a better interface, or a, it was more a, a more improved interface that was more fun to look at, more fun to watch. And my, but my concern was like, what if this just becomes exactly like duels where they don't actually have all the rulings like they do in paper magic? Uh, and like, what if it just fades away because it, they don't care? Like Watsy doesn't care about the product, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? They're just like here, quick cash grab, call it a day pass. Right. Yeah. And, and clearly that hasn't been the case. There's been kind of a, a doubling down or quadrupling down on arena, but at the time you could not have known. Right. 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 I didn't know that. And that's what scared me. Um, so when I when I had left to play this, I was just like, I really hope I don't make the wrong decision, but I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here. And um, you know, like I'm glad I did because like my org, the the esports team I'm on now, uh, F2K, they were like, hey, we have tons of Hearthstone streamers. When I applied, I got rejected. Uh-huh. But if you were looking into maybe Magic, we don't have that many people for that. So I actually was able, thanks to me switching to Magic, I was able to get signed, be one of the like the the first. Actually, I think I was one of the first, if not the first, uh, Magic player for F2K. So that that felt great, you know. Like I was spearheading this kind of thing, and like 
they'd come to me, ask me for other streamers, and then Magic got bigger, and it's like, yeah, well, I think the, th this person's great, and now we have, like, Bloody, we have Voxy, we have, like, all these wonderful players, we, like, you know what I mean? Like, all these wonderful people on the team, and so, like, yeah, like, it's just, it was very scary, though. Like, I... I, I wasn't sure if if I wanted to reset again because this would be my second time resetting. Mm -hmm. There's always this kind of anxiety, not not just streaming, but in general. It's like, how many times can I reinvent myself, right? And if, if I keep doing it and it doesn't quite work out, is it, what should I double down on? And at, at the end of the day, is it really just my in inability to focus on one thing or is it something else? It, it, I think it's very common for content creators to... To feel that, right? I don't know if you agree with that or not. I do, and 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 the one thing here is like being a content creator. You're, it's people think it's as easy as just turn on a game and play it, and and like oh you know, hell no, hell no. It's 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 so scary. Like you have to factor in so many things. I had to factor in like when I was doing my schedule planning, mm -hmm. what time slot do I fit in? Like. I'm not going to be better than like Professor Noxious or, or, or Noxious and like Jeff Hoogland or those streamers. You know what I mean? Like there's there's very big streamers in the world of magic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and it's only going to get bigger as the game continues to grow, gets more esports push. So like the daytime streamers, that time slot, you know, like that was brutal. Mm -hmm. That was brutal. Like I'd maybe get like 12 viewers at best. And on top of that, I was already a night owl. So I was like, why don't I just do the graveyard shift? Yeah. So I, I make – I film all my goldfish content in the day. Then I work at night. Uh, I stream at night. So my net, my normal day looks like 9 to 5 goldfish, uh, like 8 to 2 a.m. stream. Mm -hmm. And I and, and like originally I told you I was streaming six days a week. But like my, my mental health was in such a bad spot where streaming six days a week at the, my old schedule while working five you days a week. You mean just like mental well-being kind of thing, right? Yeah, my mental well-being was just like I was I, – I, you know, I was going stir-crazy. I was always inside. I never saw my friends. I never did anything outside. Yeah. Um, I was going like actually like – I felt like I was losing it, you know? Like I was a little bit losing it. I was just like, well – there is no human interaction behind this screen and like – and the thing here is – I, I realized I was overworking myself. Mm -hmm. I was overworking myself, and I felt like I needed to change my schedule real fast, or else this wasn't going to last. Because one of the things is like my mental well-being was being hit from the fact that like, oh well, you know, like I'm doing this all all day, so there's just that part of it, um, and I'm doing it every day. And then there's the whole like, well. You know, like there's there's the stuff like the YouTube comments, you know what I mean? Like there's there's this whole thing where you have as a content creator, I have to be aware of what's going around on the Internet, being on it, you know, being uh, yeah, kind of like, right? Like what's happening? Yeah, right like now? I got I, I, like you're being like almost like a journalist. You got to be jumping on things immediately, right? You got to do all of that. And at the same time, while watching for all of that, like on my days off, they weren't really days off because I had to keep keep an eye out for things and then on top of that like you know you you make the video i'm i'm new to youtube and you know youtube youtube will let you have it youtube has no mercy you know youtube is like you you want honest opinions you'll get an honest opinion on youtube that's the that's the best and worst thing about youtube um 
And and obviously there are people that also just like 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 the YouTube comments can take a toll on you though. They say don't read the comments. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's maybe that's got some truth to it because like I, I think people I think people that say they don't read the comments are lying. Honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I read my comments. I definitely yeah. read my comments. If I don't, then how do I know how to improve and what to improve, right? right. So, but like there, but there's the comments that are just like they have they per, they do nothing. Uh-huh. They're not informative. They're not constructive. They're not constructive. Right? Yeah. Like they they don't do anything. Uh, they're just literally there to be negative. And 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 that's one of my like I could go on about this. Like there's a specific like I think like six people. I'm almost used to their usernames. That where it's like they they don't. I, I'm pretty sure they don't even watch the video. Mm-hmm. Like. They just purposely leave a comment. Oh, he sucks. Replace right. the. Uh, they they call they they do like things like call like almost like a headhunt like to get me fired right like and it's like to be like oh we don't want you on here and it's like okay well sorry too bad. <laughs> oh, you uh-huh. mean like they would actually say this person should not be producing content for this site or Goldfish or something? Yeah, exactly. They they've actually posted stuff like that. Or, or they'll say like, oh, you're just piggybacking off of, you know, a certain other content creator that's on that that website that is bigger, right? And very well known. And the thing here is like people are just like forgetting that, yeah, I'm getting into YouTube late. I'm getting into it way late. Mm-hmm. But it took time to build, right? Like some of the, for some of these YouTubers to build this this world, this franchise that they've kind of made for themselves, right? Right. Yeah. And and the thing is, those comments like I, they're obviously not here to listen to reason, right? Like I'm pretty sure if you post this on YouTube and you tag my name onto it, these same six people will continue to they'll find it, and they'll just say something negative, and that's it. Mm. They're just out to they just have an axe to grind for whatever reason. Yeah, they for whatever reason they just dislike me, and I'm okay with that. You don't you don't win everyone's love, right? Mm. You you can't win everyone's love. Matter of fact, I half expect that. Um, like we do Commander Clash, and like there's there's people that are like, oh, I hate his laugh. And it's like, I'm sorry. I, should I be miserable while I play Magic? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for just being me. That's 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 yeah. really weird. Yeah, they're like, I hate his laugh. This explicit word should stop. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no, definitely. I'll just be mad. I'll play Magic, be mad, grumpy the whole time, and play with a frowny face and not yeah. be happy at all. Well, if you want to be optimistic about it, it's sort of like I'm not. I don't even have the the pleasure of experiencing that because I'm not even as big in terms of the content stuff. But I think you got to feel like when you when you have a certain number of haters, that's when you know you sort of quote unquote made it, right? <laughs> engagement. It's engagement. Engagement. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you, you said you're glass half full, right? So yeah. I'm trying to be glass half full as well. Like like obviously for every bad comment, there's a thousand silent comments where they actually enjoyed what you did. But it's it's just problematic, right? Because you you see that uh, rise to the top, right? And and like uh, I don't take it to heart. I just keep it in mind. It just can be a little like a little irritating on some days. You know what I mean? Like it's like here we go. Well, I'm a fr-. like sometimes it, it can get to a point where content creators can be afraid to put a video out just because it's like oh, do I want to deal with the comments? Right? It's just like emotionally draining. Uh, but like at the same time. You just don't think about it because like you had mentioned, there's always going to be like four times the amount of supporters than there are the negative people, right? And on top of that, oddly enough, it's always the negative comments, the the, the users that love leaving negative comments. They're more vocal. They're more active in the comment section than the people that enjoyed it because the people that liked it, they're just like, oh, like, and mm-hmm. it was fun. And then and then they're on with their, their day, right? right? That was sweet, like. 
and then leave a sub or something like that. And and but then after, but like the the negative reviews are always like, ah, yeah. I hate everything. And then so they have <laughs> to like you know they have to comment like that. So that's how they work. Yeah, I'm I'm not laughing to make light of it. I just I just love the. Uh, oh no, the it's true though. It's yeah. true. Like like. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I know I can laugh at myself and also like situations. I mean, I don't think there's many situations where I'm like, I will not laugh at myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I trust me, <laughs> if I took myself seriously, this, this would be, I, I would be a way different person, I think. <laughs> yeah. The, the internet's a tough place. And also I know that from when you were playing music before and being on the road, can you briefly talk a bit about more about that in terms of, because I know that you had stage fright and you were able to overcome that. So I, I this is kind of tangential, but I'm trying to tie it in. But could you could you briefly talk about that? Because you, you mentioned how you may not have been good at performing in front of a, a massive audience, but you got better with it over time, right? Yeah. Uh, when Actually, I don't think I could even stream, be an entertainer or anything if it weren't for music. Uh, because when I first started music, I had this issue and uh, anybody that follows me from my music days or any of my bandmates can uh, <laughs> agree with this. But I, I could not look out into the crowd. I don't care if it's just one person, if it's a thousand people, if it's thousands of people. I could only stare. I would always stare at my amp. I would just stare at my amp. I would. It got to the point where like, hey, you know, love the band. Your guys, your guys' energy, your music was great. A little off-putting that you had your one guitarist though that just kept staring at the wall. <laughs> Is he all right? Yeah. <laughs> and like and whatnot. And and it's it was a thing. And this had happened for a solid amount of time. And whenever I turn around, I'd start sweating nervously, like a lot. Like I would still be sweating in the intermissions and 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 whatnot. And eventually, I sat down and I'm like. I am bringing down the the live experience, right, for the band. So I now have to change that. And then I just said, you know, like, because I used to have really bad anxiety when it comes to it. Like, it's weird. You you think of me now, and and then you think of this person I'm describing. They're two like not even close to this. Like they're they're nowhere near right. the same person, right? These are two very different people. I'm talking about me, younger me, like to this day, like example. Like younger me, if I were trying to ask someone out on a date, this is what I would do. I would babble a bunch of noises and 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 literally run away. If I played music on the stage, I, I just couldn't deal with someone looking at me, right? Like and talking to me and like making contact if they weren't my friend. Um and and like like anything like that. Like I, I like if, if I'm playing music, I, I would I would just stare at the wall. I would be afraid of the eyes gazing upon me. You know, like I mean, like I would be afraid of it. It'd bring me like this crazy anxiety and I just couldn't deal with it. So and I know this sounds weird and it sounds like, well, you must have gone through some crazy process to like solve this. No, no, I just kind of like scared myself into oblivion, uh, pretty much. I one day I was like it's for the band. It's bigger than me. Right. It's bigger than me. It is not just like me. That's like, like getting hurt from this. It's the band and our live performance. So I was like, okay. And I just turned around. I know it sounds dumb when you say it like that, but I just turned around. And then after turning around, I just stared straight forward and I, I was sweating. I was really nervous, but I forced myself. I locked myself into this, into where I just looked down in the crowd and I'm, I'm on stage. Like, actually like sweating nervously and like freaking out cl- pretty close to just like 
at points where I'd get lightheaded, my, my legs started feeling weak, mm-hmm. but eventually I did it enough. I did it to crowds that were even bigger than, and I'm happy that I started doing it at around when we started getting like about 50 to like a hundred people because eventually fast forward a few years when we're playing with 21 pilots and it's just like eight, we played the Schottenstein and that was like 18,000 people. It was an arena. Holy cow. That's insane. Yeah. And I think one of the, the, one of these moments, like one of like on my deathbed, I know the one moment I will remember very fondly was at the Schottenstein. We played our slow song, our beautiful song, if you would. And the entire crowd holds up their lights. You know what I mean? And you see a sea of it and you're just looking outwards. And that, that is, I would have missed that. Yeah. You could actually enjoy at that point based on, you know, how you overcame that anxiety or fear, right? Yeah. Like overcoming the fear, uh, that I had, I, I would have missed so many things. Um, obviously I like, it was crazy that I think like how I think about it now is it was crazy to me that I was that afraid of it. I was that afraid of turning around and being judged. Like I, I think at the end of it all was just being judged by people for being who I am mm-hmm. and what I am. Like when I play guitar, I, I play like a whole nother person is on stage, right? I'm bouncing around, I'm swinging around everywhere and there's a lot of movement. And then you meet me and I'm just like, Hey, how you doing? You know, like, <laughs> right. But, but yeah, like I, I think about it and thanks to music, I can now be an entertainer. Right. Well, I think I think uh, for a lot of people, there is that sort of duality where there is a persona that you may have. And I don't know, this, I, this may come across in your streaming as well, where, you know, when you're streaming, you maybe you're not 100% crim, you are actually the Asian Avenger. Or when you're on the stage, you're actually, you know, part of the band and you're not the person sitting at home, right? I think I think that's like something that we all have and it's just really a matter of like how do you harness it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. Like I mean, when you're on stage, how much of you actually shows uh when you're on the stream, how much of you actually shows? And my thing here is I've always been genuine, so I'm always 100% me everywhere I go. Yep. And if I can't be 100% me, I probably shouldn't be there. Hmm. That's how I look at it. Um, so like I, I am, I am, if anybody wants to like make it so that I should like censor a part of me, like, oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I believe in also what I'm allowed to talk about. Like I believe in being family friendly, right? Thanks. Thanks to streaming. Actually, I've learned to not swear. <laughs> well, you don't have to. I mean, some of your, uh, fellow, um, uh, F2K teammates, uh, aren't necessarily clean streamers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched one of her streams yesterday, in fact. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. Yeah. But yeah, like I've I've not sworn. Um, you know, I I've through streaming I've actually kind of I feel like I've become a worse magic player, but a better person in a weird way. Uh I've tried I, I've learned how to be more inclusive towards everything. Like, like I've, I've gotten so much better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like with, uh, like everything, like, like learning my pronouns, learning to understand people's pronouns too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I I could be like, oh, I've always been like that. But like the thing is, these are things that you kind of just need to learn right along the way. Like I know people like, oh, well, 
why this makes it so difficult to talk to people nowadays, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's so easily offended. It's like, no, dude, just don't be a weenie. Right. Just be open to learning about stuff, concepts, right? Yeah. Learn about concepts. Learn, uh, open your mind to these things. And, you know, just because who you are and who you've like, who, who you've like been is like, may not be the right person may not mean that like you're the most like, like wholesome being that you can be. You can always like, that's the thing as a musician, as a content creator, you there's always room to improve. And that includes myself. That includes myself. So, um, like that's why thanks to streaming, I've learned to be more inclusive. I've learned to be more like, I've always been open-minded, but when it comes to like wording things and whatnot, like, you know, like taking into account, like example, like saying like, you know, asking what their pronouns are or saying they, them, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. Like these are things that middle school, high school, me wouldn't even think about. Right. We certainly do not get taught those things. Yeah. Right. It's not taught in, in like schools. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully, you know, as we move forward, that becomes a thing. And and obviously there are still like words out there that, you know, like I'm choosing to like try to switch over from saying like guys. I know that I use guys and like dudes as yeah, like it's, it's a tough like, habit to a to neutral. Break. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I try. I use it as a neutral thing, but it can be perceived another way. Mm-hmm. So and I try and I think that's the biggest thing. I know I'm going to slip up, but I try. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um one of, one of the things that I, I'm happy I started streaming. I'm happy because it, it, it introduced me to a world and like it introduced me to more people. It helps me expand uh, my social circles and just like once again, just better who I am right. like to like so like to, to become a better human being. You're doing content creation full time now, right? Streaming and doing videos and, and that kind of thing. Am I right? Yeah. So what was the turning point? Like, was it just like being feeling like you had a certain amount of viewers with arena that you felt like, okay, I can fully jump into this pool. Was it a combination of that? And just maybe being willing to take risks. Like I'm trying to understand how, you know, you step away from a nine to five job where your nine to five job is now just streaming. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's more like I have two nine to five jobs. Because content creation is almost like a twenty-four hour thing, oh, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's because I sure. I work goldfish nine to five, and then I do streaming the rest of the hours. And and how this works for me is like maybe like like for me, I had to wait until there was like a specific number that I knew because I live in the Bay Area. It's not cheap here. I'm sure you know or you've heard. Uh, and and rent here is through the roof. It's through the roof, and you get not a lot of space for how much you pay for. So. With that being said, I needed I needed to make sure that I was in a place where I can pay for my bills consistently, consistently. Right. So everything that I've done, I've made sure they're on contract with guarantees. So any kind of partnerships, anything like so example like my employments, mm-hmm. and then like of course Twitch. Twitch is like one of my also my other main sources of income, and I waited until there was a certain level, a certain number of subs. Uh, that I would like not just like a burst in a month where like I'm gifted someone gifts like one billion subs in the channel. I mean like my average. Right. So uh, it was a bit of a calculated risk because even then like streaming, content creation, what kind of market is that? That goes up and down. That that that's like a, a, a that that fluctuates so much that it, you you can't really get a solid read on it. But I kind of just play to the the odds here and like on average this is what i get so i think i'm ready combined with what i you know my other 
gig with like you know working with goldfish. It's not really all your eggs in one basket because you really have two jobs, right? Right. I have two jobs, and you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more than just playing video games, but it's it's work that I love. So I mean, I could be doing much worse and making far less as in like you know i'm not saying that like i'm rich i'm not balling but i mean like i just make enough to literally pay my bills and that's about it you know and and i think that's all i can ask for being in california being in the bay maybe maybe if i moved out of california there and like like lived somewhere else like i don't know have you thought about that because i i guess you have a lot of mobility as a streamer yeah that's one of the things i like i, I think the reason why i feel anchored here or maybe anchored is too strong of a word, but I feel like maybe the reason why I feel that way is because my mom is here. You know, her nursing area is here. And, you know, I feel like I owe it to my mom to be near her. And maybe that's not a good thing to – like some people say that at some point you should live your own life and live the life that you – like, you know, like and I and I agree with that. But like, I just feel like I owe it to my mom. I think that's good because it, it, it's a kind of responsibility that, you know, and it's part of growing up or being grown up is that you do have responsibilities. I mean, it's very easy for all of us to just shun all the responsibilities, uh, be single forever, have no family ties. But I think that's, um, that, that's, that's well-intentioned is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, like it's. It certainly is. And and like it's easy to just be like do what I want, right? But Yeah. And you certainly have phases of that, but I feel like you've matured or you're at the point in your life where it's not purely about yourself. Yeah. Like the the thing here is it can it needs to there's a lot of things in life that are bigger than you. And and that's something that you need to keep in mind when you're you're doing all these things. Like no matter what the decision, content creation, whatever, that that applies to almost everything. It's there's a lot of things that are going to be bigger than you. And I think I think a lot of it I'm, I'm able to adapt as quick as I have is because of the losses I've suffered earlier on. And normally there's two routes you can go as an adult when you, you when you experience those things. There's the the way darker route and whatnot. But like I don't know what it is. I don't know how it came to be. But like my friends ask me with everything that happened to me when I was younger – um, losing all my like like my losing my parents, losing all of this, uh, being in numerous like randomly just life ending threats. Like I I was a part of I w- like you know a few things like that were pretty pretty scary and and like like you know about the Gilroy the, the the shootings that happened in Gilroy. I mean I wasn't like on the spot when it happened, but like sure I was close enough to I, it. Yeah. I was literally leaving the garlic festival. And then it happened like maybe like 10 minutes later and then you just see cops flooring it by. Um, and there's a lot of things that just – that should scare someone. You know, Like example, with where we are in America right now, like I'm scared but I'm not going to let the fear take over. Like I'm scared to go watch a movie. I'm scared to go watch like Joker example in theaters. Right. right. Because of so many things are, are are being threatened, and it's just like, but at the same time, by letting the fear take over, you let them win, and I and maybe it's my pride at that point kicking in where I'm like, I can't let them have that. So I'm gonna continue going outside and doing things, and 
there's so many things like that that would change how I perceive the world, but I have nothing but love to share, and it's it's weird. I don't know why I can't give you a reason why I am that way either. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe if we dated back and did some deep psych analysis, like, sure, but like for off the top of my head, and, and I, I've sat down and tried to think about it, I just don't know how either, and I don't get how. Right. Like I'm, I'm obviously simplifying a lot of the things that have happened in my life and I'm, I'm glossing over some parts, but I've definitely, I, everyone has had their, their, their background, you know, and everyone's gone through their, their stuff. And I think like a lot of how life works out is just how you choose to like handle it. I think so. I think it's a lot of, sometimes the why is not that important. Like it's not important to understand, for example, why you crim you know, are able to overcome stage fright or why you are able to deal with some of the setbacks that you had in your personal life. It just matters that you did it because it in like my view of the world is kind of like, I think I am a very sensitive person and I do care a lot about, you know, how people think about me and how I think about other people and just generally trying to be a good person and do good deeds. But at the end of the day, I think it's the actions that define us more than our intentions, because I think a lot of the times we can be very paralyzed in our own mind about like in an alternate universe, there's a, there's a crim that never overcame the stage fright and is still looking at the amp. If he's still playing. Right. And there's a version yeah. of crim that never left the, the warehouse job. Right. But the fact is yep. you did it. And I think that's something you have to, celebrate like i'm also a big fan of just celebrating you know small victories like just celebrate good things as they come don't don't overthink it but but do try to do things instead of just sort of living in your own little <laughs> instead of living in your head all the time i guess is what i'm trying yeah. to say yeah yeah no and and i i i agree with that that's uh that's very important to do that you know you i you do deserve to pat yourself on the back for the small victories and the steps and the the risks that you take um because you know some people won't. They just won't do it, and they'll uh, they'll take the safest route possible. So, uh, and I, I I I that's okay. You can do that. Live your life that way. But for me personally, I guess I've always just been uh, willing to high roll, if you would. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's well well said. Although having said that, you know, do you think about maybe the risk of? burning out doing what you're doing because just by the way you describe it you 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 know you may have moved from three jobs into something else but you still have two jobs so i mean how do you manage your own mental health and emotions even even right now because i i think with a certain level of success and i don't think it's an exaggeration to say that you've reached a certain level of success as a magic personality the more you have it, like the more things will come and the more you have to deal with new things, right? Whether it's YouTube comments or, or something else. So how do you manage your mental health at this stage in the game? Like literally today. I have a pretty sweet playlist. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's hear it. Oh, uh, no. Like, it, oh, no, it you is... mean literally have a playlist. Like, yeah. A pretty sweet playlist. Okay. Yeah. I, I listen to music. I pet my dog. I know it sounds kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, petting petting my dog really helps okay like legitimately petting <laughs> petting my dog is like one of the best feelings in the world um and and just like oddly enough this sounds weird but my getaway to wind down is to go play paper magic <laughs> that is kind of weird because that's like <laughs> that's like saying you know i i got off work now i'm gonna go do the same thing somewhere else at a different place 
<laughs> Legitimately, that is, though. Like, so what's going to happen is my work week ends, right? And then I'm going to probably go play FNM. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go play Paper Magic because there's still something therapeutic within magic, right? Like, amongst all the the, the salty rage that you could see from gamers, like the, the, the mana flood, the mana screw, all this... There's still something about paper magic that you don't beat, and maybe it's just the feeling of shuffling the cards. You know, like you know how like when when I was one of those people, I'm no level, I'm not to the level of Brian Kibler, but like when I'd sit there, I would shuffle my hand. Mm -hmm. I'd shuffle my hand, I'd riffle through my cards, um, and and I'm I'm like you give me anything, TwitchCon, I get a, I got a ton of business cards. I'm sorry if you give me a TwitchCon business card, there's an, like a 110% chance. I shuffled those while holding a bunch of other business cards. And they're probably – the edges are completely worn on your card. But I love them probably. <laughs> yeah. So legitimately how I feel about winding down – like having these two jobs, it's a job that I love. It's a job that I even, – even like on its worst days, on my worst days where I experience the worst of fatigue, I'm just like, ah. Huh. I guess I'll just play a different format. And I think I think that's something beautiful in magic. Like I can just do that or I can just take a breather, go watch anime or something like that and go listen to music. It doesn't take much for me to like wash away the fatigue because I've already played magic all day long. I've talked about it 25/7 between friends when I wasn't thinking when I wasn't talking about it, I was thinking about it. Except now I just have a way to like, I guess, turn it into a job. I have the privilege of turning it into a job. So to say that there is no burnout, I would say is a lie. There there will always be some kind of burnout no matter how amazing of a job it is. But at, at its very worst, it's like, oh no, I guess I'll just have to go play more magic. Or, or, or oh no, I have to go out there and, and just be like, like, you know, like do something that I already like it doesn't feel bad to me. I guess that's at the end of all of this. Like it doesn't feel bad. Even at when I'm feeling burnt out, it's not a feel bad. It's like something that I can immediately be excited for again the next day. My love for magic just continues and, and hasn't burnt out yet. Like people think that I would have already burnt out, but no, I, I don't know why. I just don't know what it is. Maybe the game itself is a lot of fun. I mean, there's cards that make me miserable, like Nexus of Fate and <laughs> Like, like, obviously that, that is like, Oh, like I did right. log out for a day because of Nexus of Fate right, where I got paired against it like nine times in a row. But like, it's so easy to just re-spark my love for magic. I just have to like look away for 30 seconds and then I'm, I'm back at it again. So I don't think there's any, it, it's weird. Yeah. I think I just, I go out and play paper magic. That's how I wind down. I listen to music. I watch anime. And I go out and play paper magic. I step and away. You from touch it. your dog, yes. You yeah, pet I pet my. Yeah. Like I just like hug my dog and and just like simple things like that. So it, it, it's very easy for me, at least, to just take my mind off things by just enjoy what I do. Like it's it's nice to know that I enjoy things outside of magic. Like so, I am not only defined by magic, right? I think that's that's what helps. That's what really helps. I I am not defined as like the, the only hobby I have is not just like, isn't just like magic. I have many hobbies and with that, it allows me to just take a step away and then come right back refreshed. That's great. And what would you say are your, 
goals for if you have any professional or any kind of goals do you have any any goals that you have in mind maybe for the next three to five years if you think long term my goals are to win a mythic championship <laughs> and, uh, and, yes. and of course uh, that's always going to be there uh it, but i feel like that's more of a lifelong goal than an actual like next five years goal <laughs> and obviously create the most amazing stream that i can uh, make better content, improve every day, even if minor, just like in very small ways, just improve in some way. That's what I want to do. Um, I, I, I know it's kind of vague, but like, it's, it's almost like those post game conferences, you know, coach told me to study the tape. So I did, we're going to focus one game at a time. But like, <laughs> like I do, I do think that I, I really do just want to focus on my day by day streams, right? Like make it better. Make it more enjoyable. Make it uh, the community feel more welcoming, and just overall be a bright spot in the world of Magic. Because you know you, you get a lot of games out there, you know, and they're, they're, like there's a point where Magic had a had a rough, you know, public eye when it comes to like the creators and the people associated with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's other games that have that issue, and like it's just like I don't know. I just want to be a bright spot for uh, for Magic and. Like, because as kids are growing up now, and you know, around Twitch streaming, they there it changes, right? Like how I used to look up to like Gerard Way, or or maybe like let's just say like actors and things like that, mm-hmm. right? Like the people like that, Twitch streamers, gamers, those are now becoming like kind of like the rock stars, the modern day rock stars, if you would, right? Yeah. So because of that, I hope that I can just leave my mark to the next generation. And show you that you don't have to like do anything that you like, you know, like example, if the world tells you that you need to do one thing, that's not necessarily the only way you can do your life. You know, like there's lots of other ways. And I just hope that I can be somewhat of a role model to to the next generation or just whoever needs to hear it, you know, like whoever needs to hear whatever I'm saying. So on that note, what advice would you give a streamer? It doesn't have to be magic. It can be any game. But someone who's starting to stream for the first time, what kind of advice would you give them? Depends. Like, know what you're going into. Uh, know what you're getting into. Know that example. If you're trying to do this full time, and as the market gets bigger and bigger, do not expect to have a yacht. Do not expect to be driving a Ferrari. For every ninja, like for every like, like there's like one ninja and then for every like ninja there's like 400 billion other people that'll probably never even get relatively close to that success so if you're going into it for the money you're probably going to be very upset don't let the numbers uh, dictate your life look at them use them as a tool but do not let them determine your your worth your self-worth because that'll wear you out very much so Uh, it'll wear you out very quick and this is like the game of content creation streaming. It's not it, – you're, you're not trying to – like I believe it's it's like – it's a marathon, right? You're, you're trying to go for as long as you can. And and like – and what will help with that is by not burning yourself out super fast in the beginning. That's great. My next question to you is what would you tell the crim from five years ago? If you had a time machine, you can go back in time. What would you tell the five years younger, Krim? 
Five years younger me. Jeez. Oh, I think about everything that's happened in five years, and it's crazy to me that that five years has already passed because what I'm thinking about, it's like, oh, well, hold on. That was actually way longer ago. Um, So, like, I guess if I were to tell anything to five years, me, past me here, uh, honestly, just don't, don't, like, continue to do what you do, and if anything, go more all in. Like, I would have, I would have jumped in harder, you know, like with head first, um, maybe, maybe committed and don't like, cause it, as weird as it sounds, I was still afraid. I was still afraid of a lot of things. I was still afraid of the full-time leap. I was still afraid to like fully commit to any one thing and commitment is great. Commitment is a real thing. And I think that, uh, you should really try to just simple as that. Just commit, go 110. I know I went 90. I could have gone. I could have put more in. Yeah. Work harder. <laughs> Stop work harder. slacking. Work harder. <laughs> you slept for two hours. That's too much time. Yeah. Don't jump in feet first. Jump in head first, right? Yeah. yeah. Legitimately, that's what I would tell past me. Okay. On the flip side of that, if you could go five years into the future, what is something that you're holding on to now that you may want to tell the crim five years in the future so that he does not forget something you're holding on to today write down your passwords <laughs> <laughs> write down your passwords that's probably the most honest answer i've had uh, that's because it's the most truthful thing i can tell you write down your passwords because with how many accounts that you're gonna have and how many accounts i plan feature me will have uh-huh. between maybe like sponsorships with other websites things like this you will forget a lot of your passwords and all, all of them, like, because they'll do the thing where, like, hey, you have to change it every three months. I'm not even joking you. Like, that is the most tilting thing in my life, my passwords. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I just want to make a payment on my credit card bill, but I don't know how to log in because I forgot which password this yep. is. <laughs> yeah, got to call the hotline because you got to have a secure recovery mechanism for the password. Oh, yeah, and then you have to sit through the 45-minute wait time, like, it, I'm not gonna lie to you that that's probably one of the more stressful things and uh, that and don't be afraid to talk to people because I there's a lot of regrets that I have now and I, I guess like at TwitchCon there's people I wish I got to say hi to there's like I, I'm I'm still a little socially awkward I will not say hi like if I'm intimidated sometimes mm. like people will take me off like take it as like oh maybe he's conceited or something like that but I'm actually very shy, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when it comes to meeting new people. So, mm-hmm. I think that is sort of a wonderful contradiction of life is that I think a lot of us really are hard to pigeonhole, right? Because I think sometimes we can be extroverted and introverted in different situations. I'm sure that if we're going to talk about Teferi or Esper or Grixis, you could go on and on and on. But if you're talking about something that's Maybe you're not as into, you would be more shy about it. So I, I I think that's very, very normal. And I think people who really are your friends, I think they would they would understand that, I hope. Yeah. And like obviously, you know, like you see people out there and you know, maybe there's gonna be tons of interesting people. You know, just just say hi to them. Obviously respect their comfort levels. Don't be like they're like peeing, don't walk up to them and like pat them on the back, like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like but like uh, you know, like obviously with that 
imply that you're uh, you're, you're being respectful to the, whoever you're saying hi to. I mean, I'm still working on that. Just saying hi to more people, just like a simple hello. You never know how far that can go. That could make someone's entire day. Um, just like go out there, go like go out there and say hi. I mean, I I try to go and leave a friendly comment or go stop by. I I still stop by and watch as many streams as I can too, mm-hmm. and I come by and say hi and just hang out. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, you're still a fan of the craft and you're a fan of the community, so. Yeah. If there's one story I can offer about you, it's that when we met at TwitchCon, you were talking to people who obviously were watching your stream. Either they were fellow streamers or they were viewers. And you seemed incredibly friendly to all of them. So I never got the sense that you were conceited or aloof at all so for what whatever that's worth that was my first impression of you was like hey you're taking the time to be there and just chat about magic with these these people and that that's great so thanks i mean that's that's all i can really do right i mean i hope i hope i can continue to do that get better at my communication because i mean we're at the end of the day we're all talking about a game we love or just finding out finding new people so like i mean that's pretty fun within itself right my last question to you is, do you have any shout outs you want to give any, anybody or any, any people at all that you can think of? Oh, geez. I want to give a shout out to Gerard Way for my chemical romance, for allowing me to be a rock star nerd, or at least inspiring me to be. Uh, I want to say like a shout out to obviously my, the esports organization, F2K. They were the first team to pick me up and take a shot on me. Um, and really just thank you to like MTG goldfish and like all the people that continue to make it so that I'm able to like, I, some days I do want to break down and just have an emotional tear here and there because I think about it. It's just like, I'm doing what I love and it's thanks to people, like all the people out there, all the people that care. Um, you know, like that's what I mean when you say hi or you leave a nice comment on another content creator's like channel or something. It goes a really long way. I, I think somebody came by and was like, I love your stream. It's my my favorite part of the night. That was one of the resub messages. And that like like that hits me in the heart in a good way, right? Like mm-hmm. and and so I really just want to say thank you to everyone like that. I want to say thank you to Wizards for, you know, I know that Wizards at times can get yelled at by the internet, but through it all they they've made a great game and and you know they've i'm really happy that they've chosen to support like their content creators a lot better than they did in the years past so thank you to them thank you to mtg goldfish thank you to all like the people that continue to believe in me and hope to see my like and continue to want to have my channel grow And that's it for this episode of Humans of Magic with the Asian Avenger. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give Humans of Magic a follow on Twitter. And if you really enjoy this podcast and want to support the project, then please consider picking up the Humans of Magic book out now on Amazon. All right, we'll see you next time.